station KKBV where you are listening to Sabbath service at Abundant Life Seventh-day Adventist Church. You may log on to our website at www.abundantlifelv.org or you may visit us at 1720 North J Street, Las Vegas, Nevada. And our contact number is 702-647-2627. We are pastored by Russell Lewars. Associate pastor is Johnny Holiday, and our first elder is Clarence Brown. Our speaker today is Pastor Russell Lee Wars, and he will be bringing you a message entitled, Good God, Bad World. Amen. Immediately following the musical selection, the next voice you will hear is that of Pastor Russell Lee Wars. Hear ye him.
like to thank the choir for that and the music director, Sister Robin Brown, and the team, Dr. Ellis. Thank you for blessing us each Sabbath, the team, for complimenting our worship. It's not that we can't do without music to worship God, but it makes it so much more wonderful. There is music in heaven. Revelation tells us that, hey, the angels all day long just sing honor and glory to God in his presence. So it's awesome to keep a song in your heart. I noticed that I have some of my wonderful friends back. Shout out to Jezreel and Jelani and I didn't see Sister Junior Mays here. She's here. Oh, aha, she's hiding beside her mother. How nice. Yes, yes. Good to see you guys. Welcome home. Uh, this will always be your home. And we're always glad that you are here. And I know you brought good news about your grades for us. Because uh, I'll be asking about them shortly. Indeed, we are here to give honor and glory to our God. In spite of everything that has happened to us. This month, we have been looking at the subject, Disturb Us. Asking God to help us break up our follow ground. To turn our eyes to him. And I think he has been doing that. I think he has been stirring up abundant life. Reminding us of our need for prayer. Reminding us that we ought to not just pray, but live a life of prayer. And so you have heard some of you, if you just walked in, we are having a special season of prayer at 5 p.m. this afternoon. And I'm praying that all of us here will partake of this blessing. The Holy Spirit will be here. And the Father and the Son will represent so the question is, will you be here? Shall we pray together? All is hushed now as we address our God. Father, I come to speak a word on your behalf to your people. Anoint my lips. Father, and may your word be a seed in good soil. Block everything that will disturb us, that will distract us. Father, that will prevent us from hearing your unequivocal voice speaking to us. 
Thank you, O oh God, for what you're about to do now. For we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Good God, bad world, why? Our text today is one of hope. Nahum, Nahum chapter 1, it's very simple. And verse 9, I'm reading from the New King James Version. And if you brought your phone and you left the Bible, I know the phone is on the Bible, so you can uh, break out the Bible app and go there. Nahum 1, verse 9. The Bible says, what do you conspire against the Lord? He will make an utter end of it. Affliction will not rise up a second time. God has a plan. Fifteen-month-old angel Babcock found alone in a field in Indiana. A miracle survivor of a deadly tornado that killed her parents and her two siblings. When she arrived that Friday night at Cosair Children's Hospital in Louisville, Kentucky, Although she was critically injured, she was opening her eyes. And hospital workers said that was a hopeful sign. But hope dwindled when her condition went south as her brain swelled beyond containment. As the day went on, Angel's eyes ceased to move and there was no sign of brain activity. And the medical staff reluctantly communicated the dreaded sentence. There was nothing more we could do. This true story and others like it often makes us wonder if God despises sin, if he hates sin, and if he's all-powerful, how can he stand by so composed while a tornado of crime and immorality and drugs and terrorism and natural disasters of epic proportion run wild over humanity? How can God hold his peace? Is he asleep in all of this madness? Does God care? These are difficult questions. You see, it's not just the fact of overwhelming evil among us and in us, but the size and volume of it. But the question still remains, good God, bad world, why? 
Well, the question doesn't discredit God. It doesn't discredit God's love for us, but actually reinforces his love for us. The thing is, you don't ask the question, church, unless you believe in a moral law. Unless you believe in an absolute moral lawgiver. Without God, the birds would refuse to sing. Without God, their morning song would cease. Without God, the waves would cease to roar. Without God, the oceans would sit in. Without God, the sun would refuse to shine. Without God, the moon would hide her face. Without God, the earth would plunge into utter darkness. It's a great comfort to know God's there. And when you read the Bible, we know a better day is coming after a while. We know there'll be a time when death shall die and the sin shall be cut off forever. That's why you and I can sing. Because he lives. I can face tomorrow. Because he lives. All fear is gone. Because I know who holds the future. And I can face uncertain days. Because he lives. Whether we believe it or not. Our God never slumbers, and our God never sleeps. He doesn't need rest. He doesn't need a vacation. Whenever you need him, you can reach out to him in prayer. God's waiting, waiting to hear from abundant life. And he personally deals with our cases and he's never, I want to let you know, lose a case. But you know, you know, the devil has turned up the heat in this great controversy. He's intensified his attacks and his influence on the earth. Satan, our adversary, the Bible says, is a liar and a murderer from the beginning. He's the author of lies. He's the father of lies and there is no light in him. He is real as God is real. Ah, but he's not as powerful. He's not as powerful as God is, but he is here. First time we see him mentioned is in Job chapter 1. You may go there if you like. In Job chapter 1, the first time we hear mention of him, this being, being called Satan, God calls a meeting. And the devil comes by to represent this world and counsel with God. Satan came and crashed the party. Just like him to show up, you know. Uninvited. Job portrays 
God as the CEO of the universe. God called the meeting, but Satan showed up. Jesus says that Satan is the prince of this world. John 12, 31. Because he bullied and sabotaged Adam. He bullied Eve, sabotaged Adam, and took control. But I'm so happy to know that his this dictatorship is only temporary. Uh, we see him walking to and fro in the earth. And wherever he goes, wherever he shows up, there is death, destruction, disease, anarchy. We are experienced, we have this first-hand experience of how the devil plots, how he schemes, how he prepares to destroy God's people. And we are pitiful on our own against him. But God says, God says, God says, have you seen my man Job? Have you seen my man Job? He hates evil. My man Job is upright. My man Job is a saint and he is faithful. God just loves to rejoice over us, to boast about us, about our victories, about our successes. God loves to celebrate our victories. But you know, joy isn't in our adversary's DNA. Ah, the only reason why Job serves you is simply because you're protecting him. You put a shield over Job, and that's why he serves you. He serves you because you're blessing him. See, the devil knows the truth, you know. The devil knows. He knows how saints are supposed to live. He knows the truth. We, the saints, however, we pretend sometimes we don't know the truth. But he's a hater. And he created haterade. And he wants all of us to be sipping on the haterade at Abundant Life. Satan says, let me at him. I will show you the true Job. I'll show you what's inside of Job. God, you don't know him like I do. But notice, notice Satan had to get permission. Satan had to get permission from God. This tells me he can't just walk upon you and attack you like he pleases. He's got to ask God permission. So God suffers him uh, to, to, to do this to Job for some high purpose. The devil says, give me the privilege, please. Give me the honor. He couldn't take it unless God allowed it. No wonder the Bible says, no temptation has overtaken you except as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape for you. 
that you may be able to bear it. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13, write it down. When the devil comes with temptation, he has to put it on a scale. God has to weigh it. And if it's too heavy, <laughs> if it's too heavy alone, God says no. Thank God, whatever the trials, he's there. His power is all-powerful. The devil may be mighty, but God is almighty. Devil is nothing compared to God. Devil was created. Uh, uh, he created himself. God says to Satan, go ahead. Go ahead, but don't touch a hair on Job. Immediately, Job's world was in catastrophe. His world turned upside down and inside out. I don't know if you've experienced this before. One challenge after another, you don't get a break. It's just one after the other after the other. How many of us could survive his first episode? He attacked his possessions. He lost everything. The devil was hoping that this calamity would break Job's back. That Job would turn on God, but it didn't work. God had Job in the palm of his hand. But notice God didn't ask Job's permission in the affliction, and God doesn't have to ask ours. If we belong to him, have mercy. If we belong to him, he has a right to do as he pleases. God has a right to treat us as he pleases even if it means losing everything and Job lost everything including his wife because what is a wife who is just there in physical body just standing there not being supportive emotionally and spiritually so he lost her too she says Job curse God and die <laughs> Job says, honey, baby, <laughs> the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. You have to understand Job was distressed and depressed. Uh, because we know the Lord giveth, but the devil is the one who takes away. He takes away our joy. He takes away our children. He takes away the ones we love. He takes away unity. He takes away our peace. He's the author of war, disease, and crime, and violence. So whenever you feel like getting comfortable, remember, danger lurks in some of the most unexpected places. So Job's family is gone. His fame is gone. His friends condemn him. His possessions are gone, but the devil wasn't satisfied. 
You're thinking with all of that, he deserved a break. Was Job praying? Yes, he was a praying man. Was he trusting? Yes, he was trusting. Did he have faith? Yes, he had faith. But you're not excused because you're in a love relationship with God. You're not excused from suffering because you love God. Notice the progression of intensity. The devil took his possessions, his job, employment. Then the devil took his cars. <laughs> he don't have no ride now. Then, in my imagination, I, I can see him losing the house now. The devil took his family, seven sons and three daughters. One blow. And now he's going after what most of us care the most. And that's his personhood, his body. Many of us can live without a job for a while. Many of us can do without our family. Some of us could do without our family. But our health, our health, touch Job's skin, give him some cancer. Uh, that's a deal breaker for most of us. Job broke out in boils. Blood and pus was all over his body and canker worms, worms, maggots from flies that have laid eggs on his body. Job stank from a mile off so he couldn't go to church. The convalescent homes refused him. So we find Job on a garbage heap. He's in the dump now on a pile of ash. And he's scraping himself. And you ask me, how could a loving God let his child be sent from riches to rags overnight? Bring his child to the level of garbage. And I say because he's God. Through it all, Jake, Joe, brother, says, naked came I. <laughs> naked came I in the world, and naked I return. I'm going to still serve him because he's a merciful God. He's still God. He's still there. No, I can't see him. He's not hearing me. I'm not going to lose faith. See, Satan likes to give God credit for when things go bad. Whenever evil comes, Satan points the finger at God. But I want you to know today that God is the giver of every perfect and good gift. The devil is a deceiver. And when there is trouble, he points the finger at God for the trouble he brings to your life. He started the problem, the trouble in heaven. 
The Bible says, Revelation chapter 12 says, verse 7, War broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels, Michael Jesus, and his angels fought with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth. And his angels were cast out with him. The devil lost the war in heaven. And he's still a loser. And Jesus says, I'm not through with you yet. So Jesus came down here on the earth to show the world that there's another side of the story. He came down here and gave the devil home court advantage. Uh, but the devil still lost. <laughs> he defeated the devil with the weapon of prayer and the sharp two-edged sword of the word of God. Ah, but you're saying, you're, you're summing it up now. You're saying, but if God created this angel, if he created this angel and the angel is evil, then that means, Elder, that God must have created evil. Did God create the devil? The Bible has an answer for you. Ezekiel 28.12 tells us that Ezekiel 28.12 tells us God created a perfect being. Not some demonic angel. An angel that God anointed. An angel in dazzling brightness. An angel with the freedom and capacity to choose. An angel with no defect. An angel that stood with the other angels in the very presence of God. An angel worshiping and praising God. But something broke. Ezekiel 28, 14 to 15 tells us something went awry. Bible doesn't tell us what, but something went wrong. And Ezekiel 28, 14, 15 says, Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth in the very presence of God. And I have set thee so, thou was up on the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created, till iniquity was found in thee. God created a perfect being with the freedom to choose. And this being abused the power of choice. And he became a dragon, a great adversary, an accuser of the saints. And his one purpose in this world, in this church, is to bring mayhem, is to bring anarchy, is to bring disunity, is to bring depression and sickness in our lives. That's why the devil couldn't have Jesus come down here and give us a different perspective. He couldn't have it. Because that would mean the world would see that there's a loving and compassionate God. He couldn't have it. So what did he do? Well, he had Jesus arrested. He beat him up. He had them spat on him. He inspired wicked men to mock Jesus. And when he was blooded and bruised, 
wicked men nailed him to a roughly hewn cross and rammed the cross into a hole, ripping out further his wounds, his scars, his lacerated back. Then the devil and the host of darkness said, we got him now. They rolled a huge stone over the tomb, sealed it shut, and broke out rejoicing. They said, tonight, we're going to have a good time. Ah, uh, they said, we got a feeling. But it's only a feeling. <laughs> it's just a feeling. Someone said, things got quiet, church, around the tomb. That afternoon, and death and grave struck up a conversation. Yes, death came over and said to grave, grave, I brought him to you. Can you keep him? Grave said, sure enough, sure enough, I got him. I got this. I got your back. Death, I got him. So all night, Friday evening, he was in the tomb. All day, Saturday, keeping Sabbath, he was in the tomb. <laughs> and death, death got a little nervous. Because somewhere death had read that the man they're holding would rise again. So he ran back to grave and said, grave, you still got him? Grave said, yeah, I got your boy. I got him right here. Uh, it was getting dark. And, and, and death couldn't help himself. Death went back and said, grave, do you have him? And grave said, sure enough, I got him. Well, Sunday morning came. And death's fears were realized when an angel landed by the tomb, knocked him senseless. And by the time death came around, he said to himself, wait a minute, what happened? He shouted out to grave, grave. There was silence. Grave was silent. Grave. He finally heard a word from grave. Do you still have him? Grave said, no. He got up. He's got up. Jesus got up. He got up from the grave like he said he would. He didn't need an angel to wake him up, to bring him back from the dead. He said, I laid on my life, and I'll take it back up again. And when Jesus walked out of the tomb, he defeated the devil's best weapon against us, death. So you're wondering why the devil is mad? I'll tell you why the devil is mad. The devil is mad because he's furious. Revelation 12, verse 12 says, Now, now Jesus turned the tables, you see. Yes, he tipped the balance, you see. Jesus now gave humanity hope. So now, Revelation 12, verse 12 tells us why we got so much problem in our lives and in our churches and in our world. Revelation 12 tells us, Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. But then things take a turn for the worse. The Bible says, Woe to the inhabitants, the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath. Why? Because he knoweth that he has but a short time. 
love. He has but a short time. He's furious because he knows it's almost over. Curtain call. Yes. That's why he attacks us with such fury because he knows he has but a short time. That's why he distracts us mm -hmm, with pettiness and foolishness. That's why he distracts us with crime, drugs, and perversion because he has but a short time. He knows he got a short time, but we think we got lots of time. We think we have lots of time. That's why he got some of us uh, 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 gobbling down the most degenerate stuff. Stuff we call entertainment. Because if, he, if he's got us distracted with everything else, we won't pray. We won't witness. We won't need prayer meeting. Uh, we won't need a life of prayer. Not only that, the devil got people proclaiming wrong as if it were right and condemning right as if it were wrong. Devil knows how to camouflage sin, you know. He knows, he knows how to give you cyanide in a little Kool-Aid. Let's mix that baby up and you drink it all down. You're thinking your thirst is quenched when you just drank your death. God calls it drunkenness. He knows how to fix up things, you know. Put a little something, something in your drink. Let you drink it down. God has names for certain things, but we, we, we give them other names. God calls it drunkenness. Uh, we call it happy hour on Friday. God calls it sodomy. We call it being gay. God calls it perversion. We, we call it adult entertainment. God calls it an abomination. We call it an alternate lifestyle. And yet God loves sinners. What a God. God loves the sinner but hates the sin. And that's his one purpose to come, to save us from our sins. God loves every sinner of every color, every creed, every race. God loves you if you're fat or you slim. And none of us in here can be indifferent or pretend we haven't voted. We have voted with our conscience and our feet. I want someone in here to know that God, God is still on his throne. <laughs> He's still the mighty God, not one of the gods. He's still answering prayer. He's still protecting his children. He's still saving lost men and women. He's still holding back the winds of strife. He's still a friend of sinners. God is still God. You know, many men and women try to usurp the power of God. Pharaoh, you know, tried it. You remember Pharaoh, don't you? Pharaoh, you remember Pharaoh, don't you? Pharaoh tried it, but had to stand by and watch his entire army drown, watched as their bodies wash up on the shore of the Nile. Not only that, Nebuchadnezzar, he tried it, 
try to point his finger at God and diss God. Uh, and, and God had to, 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 to sit him down. God had to say, okay, that's how you want to roll? Well, go eat grass like an animal because you don't understand me. And you're trying to usurp my power. But not only that, Jezebel tried it, but was thrown out of a window by her own people. And dogs ate her remains. Belshazzar tried it, but the writing was on the wall. And he was executed at his own party. Herod tried it, but worms made a meal of him. God is in control. How do I know? Uh, the psalmist comes back and he says to me in Psalm 2 verse 1, Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? And the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. Here's what's going to happen. He who sits, he who sits in the heavens shall laugh. God is going to laugh. God has a sense of humor. You can fuss all you like. God is going to laugh at our foolishness. Don't kid yourselves. The day is coming. Payday, someday. God's handling his business. John 14, 1 and 3 says, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, you may be also. He's talking to those who are tired of their ways. He says, I will come again. Non-believers too. Jesus will come again and he wants us to be ready. Job says, though ye slay me. <laughs> On that day I'm going to see my Redeemer. There's nothing more important on this earth than getting prepared for the coming of the Lord. The reign of sin will be no more. Satan will be cut off forever, destroyed, root and branch. This earth will be made new. Jesus will come and those who have made a covenant with him will return with him. You see, if I take a life, church, something tragic has happened. Because I cannot restore that life. But if God allows that to happen, he can still restore that life. And the reality of an eternity provides us the possibility of an explanation. Without eternity, the problem of sin remains unsolved. That's why he says, let not your heart be troubled. Why? Why? Because whoever believe in God, believe also in me. Jesus will keep his promises. And he's coming back to raise up 
his people. He's coming back because he paid his dues. The creator was judged by the created. The son of God was violated. His powerful hands, his powerful hands, bound like a common criminal. He was judged and condemned to die. And we still judge him and condemn him today. Just like Pilate handed him over to the mob and washed his hands. Many of us think washing our hands will reduce or palliate our guilt. And life goes on. That's just wishful thinking, friends. All of us will have to vote one way or another. There are no independents in here. You better vote for God or you have cast your vote for our adversary, the devil. We sent him to Golgotha, the place of the skull also called Calvary. I may not know why little boys and little girls like Angel Babcock die, but I know a God who understands. He wants you to know no matter how rotten you have been, you can come home. He'll be there for you. For there is still power in his blood. There's healing in his name. Focus on the cross. Spend some time at the foot of the cross. See the Jesus hanging there. And you will realize he understands our pain, our suffering, every tear, every heartache, every pain. Jesus knows what I'm going through. Jesus knows what I need to do. Jesus is there when I ask him to. Jesus will carry me through. He loves us so much, he would rather die than see us lost. I've got a sympathizing Jesus. I give him to you today. Songwriter says, does Jesus care when my heart is pained? Too deeply for mirth and song. Does Jesus care as the burdens press and cares distress and the way grows weary and long? He comes back. The songwriter had to answer himself. While writing these words, he says, oh yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. I'm here to tell you this is not the end. It's not over. It's not the end. Because it doesn't end with the birth of Jesus. It doesn't end with the life of Jesus. It doesn't end with the death of Jesus. It doesn't end with the re resurrection of Jesus. But one day it's going to end. It doesn't end while Jesus is up in the heavens, in the sanctuary, interceding on our behalf. One day Jesus is going to come and he's going to vanquish the devil for ever and sin and sinners will be no more what a day that will be
What a glorious day that will be. That day is better than a wedding. That day is better than a birthday celebration. That day is better than any exciting gift you may have had. We can look with hope and assurance for that day when the sky will be rolled back as a scroll and the mountains will want to run out of their places and sinners will wish that the rocks will fall on them. What a day that will be. Is there anyone here today who would like to be a part of that grand celebration as Jesus comes to take his people home? If you are that person today, I'm going to ask you to stand. If you want to be a part of that awesome getting up morning celebration, I'm going to ask you to stand today. Some people took their time getting up Elder Hudson. I thought they would have jumped up because they want to be a part of that final celebration. You get up as though it's hum hum and so so. But even the earth realized this. When, when Jesus comes, the earth will reel and shake. An earthquake. This planet will reel back and forth on its axis. God is going to come. Jesus will return. And I, I have to give you the opportunity for somebody here today. You didn't know I was going to do this. But you came with a purpose. I know the time is far spent, but we're not in any hurry to run home. We spent all week working and slaving. Ain't no problem spending a little time with Jesus, amen? amen. <laughs> it's a wonderful thing. You know, when some people are in problems, they run from God. When you've got a problem in your life, you run from God? Where will you find comfort? Where will you find peace? Where will you find solace? Where will you find courage and hope but Jesus? When we got problems, we ought to run to Jesus because he's opened up his arms with a hug for the world. If you're here today and you want to commit to Jesus today, you're saying, Lord, I want to give my life to you and I'm coming down. If you're here, just come on down. Say, excuse me. 